Wow. Good morning. Wow, wow, wow. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is so, so, so good. Well, Pastor Fred is on a trip with uh, Guidestone. It's um, uh, part of the Southern Baptist Convention hands, handles retirement and things like that. He's on, the, he's on the board, and so he's off and doing some leadership with that. And I get to uh, preach today, and I'm excited about this. So, so, so very excited. But I want to tell you this first. Many of you have known, have known about my mom. My mom's been sick, and uh, you've been praying for her. And she's doing very well, and I thank you so much. Uh, she called this morning, and she wanted me to make sure to tell you thank you for praying for her. All right, so thank you for doing that. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, two weeks ago, my mom got really sick, really sick with some kidney issues, and it was really touch and go there for a while. She spent a whole week in the hospital um, or, um, getting that sorted out. And they got her to a good place and feeling better, and uh, where kidneys were functioning in the place they should, and so they allowed her to go home last Sunday. All right, so Monday morning, she started getting shortness of breath, and she called my dad and said, look, do you want to come get me? Take me to the hospital. Can you do that, or should I call the ambulance? And dad said, I'll be right there. Got her to the hospital, and the shortness of breath quickly resolved itself. So while she was there, she had a massive uh, GI bleed uh, to the point where had she not been at the hospital she would have died there's no way they could have managed that no way they could have gotten to her and gotten her home in time and gotten her to the hospital uh, so God worked through all those circumstances and I'm so thankful uh, that she is doing much better she was in ICU all this week and yesterday she got to go to a step-down unit. And so they're managing her. They're basically saying, be very, very still. Let your body do what it needs to do. And then we'll figure out what to do next. And, and I was so thankful. I knew my mom had made the turn when she started complaining about the food. Things are getting back to normal. So thank you for praying for Calliope, my mom. And thank, uh, thank you so much. And she thanks you as well. So we're very, very glad that is where that is. All right, well, we're in the middle of a sermon series called Abide, and it's taken from the last words of Christ. It's called the Upper Room Discourse. Uh, you know, uh, during the Last Supper, Jesus spoke these words. His last words He spoke um, before the crucifixion. You know, together, we had all the disciples together before His crucifixion, so it's a very, very big deal. And He just gives a treasure trove of information here and just oh it's just that's the reason why it takes so long to go through all this it, there's you can go one verse at a time because each verse is so packed with truth and it's just so amazing so um, here we are um, right here we're in the part of the upper room discourse where Jesus is beginning to talk about the fruit that you bear from abiding in him all right so real quick I just want to tell you when I think about abiding in Christ, it, this is what kind of quick synopsis comes to me. Abiding in Christ is this. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. Abiding in Christ is, I like to, I like to say, abiding in Christ 
is that Jesus is the very air that you breathe. That is how necessary He is for life. That, that I wake up each morning understanding that I, it is impossible for me to take a step right now without understanding that the Creator of the universe is giving me the very conscience that I have and the very air in my lungs. That is how much I need Him. That is how much I am plugged in to Him and how much He is plugged into me. Abiding in Christ is, is that He is my very essence for life. When I wake up in the morning before my feet hit the floor and my eyes, and my eyes open, those first moments of consciousness, I need to be in, in awe of the Creator and that He has given me the very breath in my lungs. Jesus is the air that I breathe. I want my first thoughts to be about Jesus. And I want that to marinate the rest of my day. That is abiding in Christ. That is, we have to get that as followers of Christ, as Christians. We have to understand. It's not the music I listen to. It's not, it's not the pop culture. It's not the books that I read that gives me motivation and inspiration for the day. It is Jesus Christ. That is abiding in Christ. And Jesus said, abide in me. I'm just so crazy to think that when Jesus said to do something, He meant that we should do it. It's not necessarily how we wrap our minds around things in Western culture. And we're going to talk about that. So Jesus is saying right here, if you do this, if you abide in Me, if you really live out, I am the vine and you are the branches, and apart, He who abides in Me and I in Him will bear much fruit, and apart from Me, you can do nothing. I don't think when Jesus said that, He said He, he thought he was, he was saying that you could do something. He's saying you can do nothing. He said, if you do this, if you abide in me, this is the fruit you will bear. And last week, Pastor Fred talked about the fruit of fruit-bearing prayer. And that, and, and, and that was, we looked at verses 7 and 8 in John 15. So we're going to look at that real quick. John, verse 7 and 8 in, uh, in, verse, in chapter 15 says this. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, then you'll ask what you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Before you get excited and think that's about getting your, bet, your favorite sports car or supermodel boyfriend or whatever, it's not what that is. If you are abiding in Christ, if He is your essence for living, that you cannot bear to think about taking a step this day outside of the will of Christ, so much so that you go to His precious Word for your very instruction of life, then your prayers will reflect just that. You will pray in such a way that reflects the deep understanding of Jesus is your essence for life. 
That's not how we pray. It's not. Our prayers are about us. Remember, abiding, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Our prayers, are about, our prayers are about us. And we treat God like a cosmic vending machine. And we think we can go to the machine and put our money in and then get what we want. Or we think God is this great divine Santa Claus where we just take Him our list and He fills it. If you are abiding in Christ... If He is the vine and you're the branches, and apart from Him you can do nothing, then your prayers aren't going to be, God, gimme, gimme, gimme. Your prayers are going to be, thank you, God, that you've saved me, that you've called me to a life full of purpose and meaning, and that I get to be your child. I get to be your friend i'm with you you don't need me but you want me and your prayers will reflect that that is a different way of praying what we want to do is rush into god's presence and throw our shopping list at him and then go on about our day i'll let you know if i need you god that's what we want to do when the King of all kings, the Maker of all things, deserves us to come into His, into His presence, into His courts, into His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise, before we ever, ever, ever speak of what we need. It's a different way of praying. I understand there are times when you're just brokenhearted and you're scared and you just come rushing into God to Daddy God and say, God, I'm so scared. I don't know what I'm going to do. My mom's in ICU and I don't know what I'm going to do. Daddy God is okay with that. He will pull you up into His lap and He will love you. Because that comes from a place of abiding. I don't know what to do, but I know you do. And I want you, God. That is the fruit-bearing prayer that comes from abiding in Christ. Next week, Pastor Fred is going to talk about the fruit of love that is born by abiding in Christ. And it's verses 9-13. through 13. Let's just look at this real quick. And then Brother Fred is going to preach about this next week. But he, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so, I, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Did you see that? You see where obedience, how closely related obedience is to the love of God? It's not a, it's not a if you obey, then I'll love you. It's a if you obey, you will abide in my love. God loves you as a follower. But if you obey, then you will be abiding. This is about you, not about it, it, you and, and the love of God, not about whether or not God loves you. You understand? Then he goes on to say, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment. He doesn't say this is my suggestion. He doesn't say if you get around to it, you know, if you can fit it into your schedule. 
He, Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this than someone laid down his life for his friends. Look, that kind of love, once again, when we're talking about abiding, abiding in, in, in Christ, that kind of love is all about Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about me. See, we tend to love things in such a way so that we can get something from it. If I'm going to love my precious wife this way, then I'm just going to love her. I'm not going to love her in such a way to manipulate her. I'm not going to love her in such a way to get from her something I want. I'm just going to love her. I'm just going to love her. And, and, and what, in order to do that, I have to say, Jesus, I can't love Leanne the way you've commanded me to love her. I need you to love her through me. I need you to love Chance and Cooper, my sons, through me. I need you to love Claire, my daughter, through me in order to love the way you've commanded me. I need you to love through me. Let me tell you something. Jesus doesn't say in this verse, you're to love those who are lovable. He says you're to love others. So in order for me to love the one who has hurt me, in order to, to, for me to love the one who's left me, who's denied me, who has run out on me, who's cheated on me, who's taken from me, who's hurt me, Jesus, you've got to love them through me because I can't do that. I understand it is your commandment that I love them. But I can't do it. And that is right where Jesus wants us to be. I have to abide in you if I'm going to love that way, Jesus. But I'm not going to preach about that today. Brother Fred is next week. Today, we're going to talk about the fruit of friendship. The fruit of friendship that's found in verses 14 and 15. The fruit of friendship found in verses 14 and 15. Look at this, verse 14 and 15, it says this. Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. You know, I don't think Jesus misspoke. I think that's what he meant. If you are obedient, you prove you're my friend. Okay? Then in verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I've heard from my Father I've made known to you. Oh, I, got, I can't wait to talk to you about this. I got three thoughts, and then, guess what? We're going to talk about the spear. I know you've been missing that. But before we do, let's pray. God, I love you so much. Thank you for calling me friend. Thank you. Open our hearts to the truth of your word. May we never be the same because we were here in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thought number one. Ready? Thought number one. Friends of God don't see obedience as optional. Friends of God don't see obedience as optional. 
This obedient, see, see, it's a very Western concept to think that we could know the truth and of God and not do it or just do a portion of it and think that we're still okay with God. It's a very Western concept. Let me say that again. It's a very Western concept to think that we can know the truth of God and not obey it, or only obey a portion of it, and still be okay with God. Oh, God's okay with me. See, we are all about in our culture of judging people. We judge people on their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. We judge others by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. Very Western concept. In Jesus' day, when He was speaking this, it was unheard of, inconceivable that you could know the truth and not do it. So Jesus is, to, that, to this, Jesus is saying, you're my friend if you keep my commandments, if you obey me. You prove your friendship through your obedience. Obedience here is born out of the abiding, right? The making it all about Jesus, not getting, not making it about what you want, <clears throat> not making it about how you think it ought to go. It's about following Christ, Jesus. What do you want? The, the more you abide with Him, the more you're plugged into the uh, vine, and the, the more fruit you will bear, the more your desires become His desires. The more your heart becomes His heart. The more your thoughts become His thoughts. The more your words become His words. The more your actions become His actions. You see, Jesus, that's what Jesus meant when He said in Luke 9.23, if anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow Me. So That's what Paul was talking about. For I am crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. It's Christ that lives in Me. There's just less and less and less of me and more and more and more of Jesus. And as that happens, as that happens, the more I learn to love Him and trust Him, the more the obedience falls. I trust Him because uh, I obey Him. And, and I obey Him because I trust Him. I love Him because I obey Him. And I obey Him because I love Him. They're just intertwined. Eric Van Pelt says it like this, the walk of a Christian is this, trust and obey. Trust and obey. Ooh, that's, that's scary. Ooh, that water's cold. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. All interwoven with the love that we have for Christ and the love that He has for us. You know, when my wife asked me to do something for her, I, I do it. Happy wife, happy life, right? I, I understand 
over years of being married to this precious woman, that she has the very best intentions at heart for me. If she asks me to do something, even though I don't think it's that cool, I, I try to do it. Because I love her. One time, uh, Leanne and I were having this conversation uh, before church. And I was, I was going to be preaching at the early service, and that's where the, all the tie wearers went. And I wasn't much of a tie wearer. And she said, oh, you've got to wear a tie. They'll say something. Well, who's they? You know who they are. No, I don't. I'm not wearing a tie for them. And she was so upset that I wouldn't wear a tie. And I felt so proud of myself. I'm going to make me wear a tie. Jesus didn't wear a tie. And I went in the kitchen and then came, and Jesus was like, your Holy Spirit was like, pretty proud of yourself, aren't you? You know, that's your wife. I was like, oh. So I went back to the bathroom, and she didn't have much to say to me. And um, I said, honey, I won't wear a tie for those people, whoever they are. But let me tell you what. I'll wear a tie for you. Which one do you want me to wear? She says, the strongest one, because I'm going to hang you from a tree. Most of that story is true. <laughs> she helped me pick out the tie, and I wore the tie for her. You see, because she has my best intentions at heart. She has a heart to protect me. She has a heart to see me succeed. She has a heart to, for me to, do, to, not get, it, to not get unnecessary criticism. If I can avoid something just by wearing a tie, why wouldn't I just do that? This is my wife's logic. It makes complete sense now that I'm not so stupid about it. I do that because I love her in a much higher and more perfected level. It is impossible for God to ask you to do something that's not in your perfect benefit. And when He says, do this, you ought to do it. But we struggle with doing that because we don't have the love and relationship with Him that that requires. Where we trust Him. We're not walking trust and obey. Trust and obey. We're, going, we're just kind of hanging back and we're going to do the things that are okay with us. Maybe do this because it doesn't take a risk. Or maybe do this because it's not too hard. You know, I'm new at this. I just want to ease into it. Just do it. Just do it. And the more you do it, the more it makes sense. You know, we have a tagline here at First Baptist Church. It says, knowing, being, going. Knowing, being, going. The knowing is the gathering of information, right? The knowing is the gathering of information. The, the, the being is the is that information becoming inspiration. And the going 
is the inspiration becoming transformation. Knowing, being, going. Information, inspiration, transformation. The more you're plugged into Christ, the more you abide in Him, the, more, the easier it is to obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. It's trust and obey. Thought number two. Friends of God are no longer slaves. Friends of God are no longer slaves. They don't see obedience as optional. And they understand that they're no longer slaves. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. You see that word servant? And it's translated into English servant. But the word in Greek is doulos. And doulos means bondservant, which means slave. Jesus is saying, I'm no longer calling you a slave. So if I no longer call you a slave, that means that some other time in the past, He did call me a slave. He did. At one time in my life, I was a slave. Before I came to know Christ, and if you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, listen to this. Before I came to know Christ, I was a slave. And the slave that I... What, what held me in slavery was my selfishness, my desires, my need to be God. Not God, but me to be God. I wanted what I want when I wanted it. I don't know what is holding you in slavery. I don't know if it's, if, if you're, it's an inability to tell the truth or... <clears throat> Yeah, or, it, or it is broken relationships. Or it is an addiction of some kind to pornography or drugs or alcohol. There's some sin in your life that's holding you captive. And you've lived your whole life underneath the bondage of this. And you've gotten to the end of your rope and you just tied a knot and you're hanging on. And this is where Jesus comes in. And Jesus reaches there, there at the end of that rope. And He grabs you. And He pulls you out of that when you call out to Him. It's exactly like that. He saves you. And this is what He does. Look at the second part of the verse. In verse uh, 15, it says, But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I've made known to you. See, this word friend here, it's not like the way we use friend. You know, you, you, ladies, you can be walking to the restroom and another lady says, ooh, I like your blouse, and five minutes later, you're best friends. Right, and guys, we're, that's funny, you guys are like, hoo, 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 but we're the same way. You can walk in, you can walk into a restaurant and you're a Georgia fan, you see another guy with a bulldog's cap on, you're like, go dogs! Next, next thing you know, you're going to ball games together. You just insert your favorite team. That's not what this word here, in the Greek, this word is the friends of the court. Friends of the king. Friends 
of the emperor. You see, these people of great importance would bring people into their inner circle. They had unprecedented access. Listen to where we're going with this. They had unprecedented access to the most important person on the planet. They got to go into the bedchamber. He spoke to them before he spoke to anyone else. These were the friends of the court. He bounced ideas off of them. And a lot of times policy and procedure were made out of those conversations. And this is the term that Jesus is using with us. He said, I don't call you slaves anymore. What job did the slaves do? The slaves did the jobs that no one else would do. The slaves in this culture would be the ones that cleaned out the pig pens and cleaned up after the pigs. And they shoveled out the stables. They, they were knee deep in you know what. No one else would do them. That work was fit only for a slave. Now listen to me. Jesus reached down into that pit, into that nastiness of the, where you were, where you were dominated by your own selfish desires, and He snatched you out, and He brought you into His inner circle. Was it saving you enough? Was it getting you out of that muck and mire enough? But that's not what He did. He pulled you out of there. He pulled me out of there, and He brought me into His inner circle, and now He calls me. Friend. Does that not ignite a fire under you? Why aren't we shouting when we come to that realization? You know why? Because you and I never have seen ourselves as being in the muck. We don't know from where we've been saved. We think we've just been almost there and we needed Jesus just to get us over the hump. Thank you, Jesus. Now I can go to heaven. I'll let you know if I need you. Oh, by the way, make my mama feel better. You and I were slaves. And Jesus Christ has called you friend. Jesus Christ has called you and me friend. And we were slaves. Slaves. And He's called us friend. Thought number three. I'm going to get worked up over this one. Friends of God are stewards of the most privileged information. Look at the last part of verse 15. It says, but I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I've made known to you. Friends of the King heard things before anyone else. And when it was time to share the, the vision, they were to be the most enthusiastic heralds of the news. And sometimes the friends of the court were sworn to secrecy. And sometimes they were sent as heralds. Everything Jesus knows from the Father, He has, been, he has been made known to you and to me. We have the most privileged information.
the gospel. And now our story, your story, your story of how Jesus reached down to the, at the end of the rope where you tied the knot, where you were dangling in the pig manure, and He snatched you out, and He's called you friend. He's given you a new suit, set of clothes, a, pa- a set of sandals, and a ring on your finger. And not only has He called you friend, He's called you son. He's called you daughter. He's called you mine. He's pulled you there. Do you know your story? Are you able to tell it? It is the most privileged information. You don't have to recite volumes of theological writings by scholars of renown over uh, of the things of the Word. Just tell your story. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but Jesus made me see. Do you know your story? Can you tell it? We ought to be shouting our story. The Gospel from the highest mountaintop The top of our lungs. We have the privileged, most privileged information. And there's a broken world that needs to hear it. Do you know your story? Do you have a story? Hey, let's look at this spear, old worn out spear graphic that you've seen so many times. That's me. That oh wait, it's new. It's a new graphic. Look. As we go, Jesus said, as he was leaving the earth, go, as you are going, share the God. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the, of the age. That's what he said. So as we're going, this is what we're doing. See, the point of the spear is reaching lost with the gospel of Christ. We want to focus, especially on families with children still at home, because we understand in our culture, after the age of 21, the likelihood of someone coming to know Christ deeply, dramatically, dips we're not that doesn't mean we're going to we're not that doesn't mean we're going to leave someone out we share the gospel and how do you know to whom to share the gospel well we pray for awareness we 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 enter into relationships where we get equipped to share gospel conversations we pray father holy spirit show me who where in the mountain in the on the in the valley at the grocery store at the restaurant at work at school who is it holy spirit that you want me to share the gospel with we pray and then we tell our story this is the spear and the the shaft of the spear are those things 
that we use to carry the gospel, which is the head of the spear. But it just wobbles on the end of that stick unless there's something binding it together. And that binding is moving from theory to action. Here it here is how you can partner with First Baptist. Here is how you can move from theory to action. Do you know that in seven weeks, it's Easter? Seven weeks. Six weeks, we have the Passion Play. Two amazing opportunities for you to partner with your church in sharing the Gospel. You're sharing your story after you've prayed for Holy Spirit to show you to whom to go and share your gospel story with. You're praying and you're, you're, you're priming the pump, if you will. You're sharing the gospel with them and then you bring them to these opportunities where the gospel is shared and the passion play in a very dramatic way. And on Easter, there pe- people are never more interested in giving church a shot than they are at Christmas and Easter. Amazing opportunity to share the gospel. Partnering with First Baptist Church. What is your story? Who are you praying for? Do you have a list? Make who's on your list? You ought to have five names of people who don't know Jesus that you're praying for. Your Sunday school class ought to have a list that you're praying for. You ought to be doing that individually, corporately, on the Sunday school class level, and corporately on the church-wide level where we're sharing the gospel. There's nothing more important. We have been made stewards of the most privileged information. We need to be sharing Who are you sharing the gospel with? I want to share the gospel right now. If you're here today and you're seeking, seeking information, you've heard about church and you want to know what it's about, and you came today, praise God. Thank you for being here. Or maybe your life is in chaos and you're just hurting and you've tried other things and now you want to see what happens here in the midst of your chaos. Praise God so glad you're here. Let me tell you how to follow Christ. First, there's an admission that has to happen on your part that you have a part in the chaos. You've chosen to do what you do outside of the will of God. And you may have never understood what the will of God is, but that's your part in it. The Bible says for all have sinned. Those choices outside of the will of God are called sin. The Bible says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Is that you? Are you outside the will of God? You have to admit that. Then you believe that Jesus did what He said He did. The next part of that verse I quoted is, but the free gift of God, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Believe that Jesus came and did what He said He did. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him not perish, but have eternal life. 
believe. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Believe. And then, trust. You admit and you believe and then you trust. You trust in Jesus with your life. You begin that abiding that we talked about. You say, Jesus, here's my life. Such that as it is. Will you take it? Will you make me something new that you can use for your glory? If you'll do that today, the answer to that prayer is yes. He will come rushing to you. He will pull you out of the muck and mire. He will clean you. He will bring you into His chest. You are my child. You are my friend.